Well, hey, everybody. It is great to see you. And my name's Eric. And so a couple of months ago, um, I was leading our all-staff meeting. And um, once a month, we get together with our Jamestown location, Oak Ridge location, and our Kernersville location. And all of our staff come together in one room, and uh, it's a blast. And uh, we do this every month, and we talk about... Uh, hey, here's some cool things that are happening in all of our locations, and here's some things we need to be praying about. Here's some big decisions we, we may need to make, and then there's a leadership time that I will typically lead and, uh, and talk to our team or, or, or bring them a uh, topic to consider and talk about while we're there. And so um, during this particular staff meeting, I brought something to the team that I felt like is one of the coolest things. It's not because I created it or invented it, but it's just somebody else came up with this philosophy of how to get unstuck in your life. Like when you feel like you're st stuck and you're trying to get unstuck, like what's, the, what, what's a great tool to use? So um, I just got the sense that some of our staff were stuck in some places that they needed some help with. And uh, so I shared this with our whole team. And then Jonathan came to me afterwards and said, hey, Eric, I'd love for you to share that with our whole uh, church one day as we, as we talk about getting unstuck. So, so here we are. So um, if you're 18 years old and you're trying to figure out what you can do with your life, this is going to be helpful. If you're 25 years old and you're still trying to figure out what you're going to do with your life, this will be helpful. If you're 55 years old and you're still trying to figure out what you're going to do with your life, this is going to be helpful. Um, you could use this for a fitness plan. You could use this for a school plan. You could use this for a dating plan. You could use this for a marriage plan. You could use this for a business plan. If you want to meet with your, with, with your, uh, teammate, uh, your, your team members and your employees and you're trying to help them grow and change and reach their potential, things like that, you can use it for that. You can use this if you want to negotiate with Iran or a five-year-old it will work in pretty much any context that, that you can imagine. So getting unstuck requires two things in our life. Uh, getting unstuck requires the right plan and the right perspective. And I, and I think one of the things that makes me laugh about this whole plan is the fact that I've been stuck so many times in my own life. So I feel like I can speak with some authority on this just due to my own dumb decisions at times. But when we were trying to get unstuck, we need the right plan and the right perspective. We need the right plan to get unstuck and the right perspective in our mind to get unstuck. And I love this verse out of Proverbs. It says, good planning and hard work lead to, what's that word? Prosperity, right? Good planning and hard work. And you know, I, I even think about right now, um, right now we're building our Oak Ridge location out on 68 and it looks beautiful and all it is is steel and, you know, metal studs, but you can actually walk through our whole facility and we're so excited about it. And uh, our team there is going through and writing notes and prayers on just in cool places. And it's just so exciting to see God, you know, you know do all this. But it started with a plan, it started with an architect to go, all right, here's, here's what we want, here's what we're thinking, and let's get a plan in place. You don't just show up and pour some concrete and start putting up some steel hoping that it looks okay. No, 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 you start with a plan. And if you want to do anything successful in your life, if you want to build a life or a business or whatever you're wanting to do, it takes a plan to do that. Now, you can deviate and you can change and change up the plan, but you got to work from something. So good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. The other thing I know is this. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You and I cannot outrun or outpace our thoughts. We just can't. 
we generally rise to the level of our lowest thinking in our life. And we may not accomplish all of our dreams and all of our, you know, our aspirations and ideas that we've often thought about, but if we don't have some, you know, that, you know, we will, we're, we're not going anywhere unless we are willing to think outside the box and set some goals and some dreams and plan some things because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So as you think about yourself, as you think about your life, that's, that's who you are. And so the wonderful thing about having a relationship with Jesus is he renews our minds over time and we begin to think differently about ourselves, and then that shows up in our relationships and what we do for work and what we do for, you know, for the, in, in all areas of our life. So as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And that is a big, big deal in our life. So what would Jesus say about getting unstuck? I mean, if, if he were to run across somebody that was stuck in his life, what would he say? So we have a story where Jesus meets somebody who is stuck, and, and I'm just going to read this to you real quick. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, laid on the, lay on the porches there. And as he is walking through and meeting them and, and uh, getting to know them a little bit, one of the men lying there had been sick for 30 Eight years. Some people in this room or watching online haven't even been alive for 38 years, but this man had been sick for 38 years, and we're not quite sure what was going on with him, if he was just uh, blind, lame, or paralyzed. We're not quite sure his issues. But when Jesus saw him and he knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? Now, I, I don't know about you. But there are times I read the Bible and I go, that's weird. <laughs> that's just weird. Why would Jesus walk by somebody who had obviously been sick for many years and obviously has had to deal with a harsh reality uh, for many, many years? Why would he even ask them if he, wanted, if he wanted to get well? Why wouldn't he just heal him? And then I started thinking about it. And then, I, you know, sometimes my brain does this when I read the scripture and I go, that's kind of a weird story. And like, I, I wonder if it happened this way. And so, but part of me wonders where, let's just call him Joe. And let's say Jesus walks over to Joe and he says, now, Joe, listen, you've been here for 38 years. That's a long time. And I just want you to know that before I heal you, you've, you know, you've kind of need to understand you've been a beggar for 38 years. That's going to change after what I'm getting ready to do. Okay. Joe, uh, all of your friends are here in this area right here. These are all the people that you've known for 38 years, right? Because like attracts like. And so are you really okay if I heal you? Are you, are you okay with leaving these set of friends and walking away, finding new ones? Right, are you okay with that? Joe, I want you to also understand that um, you've been a taker a lot of your life because you've had to, and that's the way that you've been able to earn money and take care of yourself and maybe your family or wherever they are. But you also understand after I heal you, you will now be a giver. And the expectation will be for now you to give and serve and you to help other people. 
So I'm going to ask you this question one more time. You're going to have to walk away from what you've done for 38 years. And for some of us, that would be scary. I, this is all I know. All I know is the triad, right? You know, for some of us, that's a big deal. And I think Jesus is saying, now, before I heal you, you've got to understand you're walking away from a lot of things that you know and that you're comfortable with. Can you understand why he said, do you want to get well? Let's go to the next thing. He says, for I can't, sir. The sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. And someone always, someone else always gets there ahead of me. And here's what I noticed about me. And here's what I think is true about you and your, my friends watching online. Is that when God asks us to step into something we've never done that we've never done before, and it's new, and it's, it's exciting, but we're not sure. Here's what I know. Here's what I think. And I'm just guessing that you probably think this too. I can't. I don't have this. I don't have that. And somebody else always seems to get it in front of me. Have you ever felt that way before in your life of, I can't, negative, some, I, have, I have no one to, I'm a victim, and someone else always, and it's blame. Negative victim blame, negative victim blame. And a lot of our narrative that we tell ourselves when it comes to God inviting us to the precipice of doing something really powerful in our life, our narrative is negative victim blame. I can't, I don't have, and somebody else always gets theirs. And can you understand why it, Poverty thinking is a real thing. My, my wife and I went to Thailand um, a few, few years ago. and Well, no, actually it was last year. And um, we were just kind of introduced to poverty on a, in a situation that I'd never, never seen before. And so they flew us into Chiang Mai, which is in northern Thailand, and then they drove us two hours outside the city every day into the worst of the worst of the worst places that you could imagine going. I knew it was bad when they told us, you need to take some motion sickness medication every time we get in the van. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow, we're in for a treat and in for a ride. But, but we got out to these places where we witnessed just the kind of poverty that you just, you just have, have never seen, right? And I remember sitting in the, uh, in the hotel ballroom that we all, that 20 of us were there. We were with Compassion International on a vision trip. And I remember the director of the trip saying to us, y'all, th this isn't necessarily a uh, economic and financial issue going on here in Thailand. Po poverty is a mindset. Poverty is a mindset. And if you don't change the, the mindset for people and give them hope, they don't know how to get out of the mindset. They don't know how to change the mindset. And it made me think about how many of us are walking around with a poverty mindset of, I can't, I've got no one, and somebody else always. I can't, I've got no one, and somebody else always. And those kinds of thoughts keep us stuck to full respect of what this gentleman had going on in his life, but I can't, I have no one, and somebody else always, is the mental roller coaster that keeps us stuck, and we, and we keep doing the same loops over and over and over. And notice what Jesus did. He said, Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And instantly the man was healed, and he rolled up his sleeping mat, and he began walking. 
Jesus asked him to do something that he had not done in a long, long time and he didn't think he could do and without his power, right? So when it comes to getting unstuck, we've got to entertain some new thoughts. We've got to entertain some new actions. We've got to entertain some things of God. What is it that you want me to do in this situation? And when we also talk about getting unstuck, we make two mistakes, I think. And I think I make these mistakes and probably you make them too. Is number one, we put it all on God. God, if you want me to get unstuck, you'll make it happen. Lord, if, if you want me to get out of this situation, you'll make it happen. If you want me to stop doing this, you'll make it happen. If you want to give me that, you'll make it happen. If you want me to get out of this situation, you'll make it happen. It's all on you, God. So whenever you're ready, <laughs> whenever you're ready, I'm waiting. And I don't think that's the most wise choice that we should do. The other mistake we make is we put it all on us. Well, I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'm going to do this myself. I'm a self-made person. Some of you in this room are self-made people. You are extraordinarily gifted because you rolled your sleeves up and you went to work and you have accomplished some amazing things because not really anybody gave you anything much in your life and you rolled your sleeves up, went to work and you've got a lot of cool things to show for your effort. And while that's awesome, and I think it, in some cases we can all identify with that, when you really want to get stuck, the, the, I mean, unstuck, the real solution is that we need God's help in our effort. We need God's help in our effort. There are things that we are so stuck to in our life that without God's help, we can't break free. And, and without our effort in trying to do some new things that we've never done before, we won't break free. So I just want to challenge you with this. <clears throat> I want to show, I want to share with you this model. And again, this model is something you can use in your relationships. If you're dating, you can use this in your marriage. You can use this in your business. You can use this with your children. You can use this by yourself. If you, if you feel yourself getting stressed out about a situation and you know you've got a hard conversation coming, you can just sit there and just write through this and it'll organize your thoughts and it'll help you get to a place where you're like, okay, now I feel like I know what to do. Okay, so let, let's start with the first letter. The first letter of the process is the letter G and G stands for goal. If you want to get unstuck, you need a goal in your life. Maybe it's an achievement. Maybe it's a, a marriage that you're excited about. Maybe it's a, a society issue that you're wanting to fix. Maybe it's a behavior change. Maybe it's, you know, eating better or a fitness plan or, you know, whatever the case may be. But do you have a goal in your life? And sometimes we, when we tell people to get a goal, you know, we, we tell them, you know, follow your passion, follow your passion. And what's interesting about passion is we, we equate passion with fulfillment and excitement and we're happy and, you know, that's, that's what we think passion is. That's not what it means to follow your passion. The Latin meaning of the root word of passion means to suffer or endure. So when you think about what your goal should be in life, Really, the better question is, what are you willing to suffer for? All right, Eric, I don't want to suffer. I, I, it's not, 
what are you willing to work so hard for? You're going to put in the time. You're going to come in early. You're going to stay late. You're going to pour your heart into it. That's passion, not it makes me feel good. <laughs> That's a byproduct of all that. So think about in terms of the way that God has wired you up, what are you willing to suffer for? Here's what I also learned this week of the 327 Americans that live in our country. Only 3% have a written down goal. Only 3% of us have a written down goal. So I'm gonna invite you to do something really fun right now. So I want you to take out your phones and uh, leave them on silent mode, but take them out if you wanna play my game. If not, you can, you can play later. But if your phone's in your hand, like mine seems to always be, because I have ADD, I think, uh, uh, put your phone out and go into your notes app. Okay, so go into your notes app. And I want you to write down one, it can, one goal. It can be, hey, I wanna, it can be a relationship goal, it can be a school goal. It can be, I want to clean the backyard goal. I mean, it can be whatever you want it to be. It can be a spiritual goal. Like, I want to read the book of James in the New Testament, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, it, whatever you want it to be. But just write a goal. I want to spend more time with my kids, my spouse, my, but whatever. R write your goal. And now I want to welcome you to the 3% of Americans that have written down goals. <laughs> And what's really sad for, the, for a lot of us is only 1% ever go back and look at their goals and check them off and make sure they're still on track. Isn't it any wonder that sometimes we feel like we're just not accomplishing things in our life that we want to accomplish? Um, more about that later. But the goal is the inspiration. It's the motivation. It's what makes you get up early and stay late. It's what makes you want... So makes you want to stay committed. Sometimes in my life, I've had this thing called, and, I don't, and I'm sure nobody in this room would feel this way, but you get analysis paralysis. It's like, well, I don't want to choose the wrong goal, so I'm not going to choose a goal in my life, right? I don't, I, I don't want to choose a goal because what if it's the wrong goal, right? And a friend told me a long time ago as I was coming up in ministry and really trying to develop my own uh, uh, leadership skills and all that kind of stuff, he said, Eric, God can take a ship that's already moving in the water and he can kind of turn it and direct it and he can just kind of uh, do his thing and getting that ship to where it needs to be. But if the ship stays in the harbor until the seas are safe, it's just it's not going anywhere. So I want to challenge you, don't be afraid of the wrong goal. God will course correct you in time and he'll change the goal and you'll figure that out. But you've got to get started. You've got to get moving. The other thing I would say is this, is when you're setting goals, um, there were goals that if I pursued them in my life, when Hudson and Mitchell, my two boys, were two and three and four and five years old, it would have been wrong for me to do. Now that they're in school and they're in their early 20s and, and they're, you know, they're busy and they got lives of their own and they're doing their thing, I have much more time now to do some things that don't take away time from them because they're, gosh, they're just as busy as I am, if not more. So don't chase a goal that violates a current goal in your life. If there's something in your life family-oriented that's important to you, make sure that the new goal that you're creating doesn't work against goals that you've already set 
in your life. So goals are important. The, the uh, next letter is R, and that's reality. What is reality for you right now in terms of this goal? What does reality for you look like in terms of this goal? We need the self-awareness to go, okay, this is important to me. I want this to be my goal. But I also have to understand what reality is for me right now. And reality is hard because it's like sometimes you got to look in the mirror and go, I'm not as far along as I thought I'd be. Or sometimes some of us are like, well, man, I'm way far along than I ever thought I would be. And I, this is awesome and it's amazing and I'm accomplishing some stuff and this is fantastic. I would say most of us probably on the other side of going, eh, I'm just not as far along as I wanted to be. And it takes a lot of courage to recognize I'm not where I want or where I thought I would be at this point in my life. Reality is tough to look at. Questions to ask during this, during this piece. Maybe you've done something that you feel like is irreversible in your life, and it's, it's brought so much pain to you and pain to other people. And I just want to encourage you that God can take, he's an expert at taking very complex and painful decisions and changing them for the good, because that's the kind of God that we serve. The other question I want to ask you about reality is in your life right now, think about this. In terms of the goal that you want to accomplish and the reality that you see happening around you, if nothing changes, what will happen? If nothing changes in your life, what will happen? Like, play the movie out. Like, when you think about a relationship, and it could be not the healthiest relationship, and you're staying in it because you feel like, well, you know, I don't see any better options, or, you know, whatever... Play the reality movie out and go, okay, if nothing ever changes, can I live with this? Can I go to sleep at night and be okay with this? For a lot of us, we're making quick decisions and we're not thinking about the future. We don't see how our decision right now is tied to our future. And if you're 20 years old in the room, something I want you to think about is, I'm talking to your 30-year-old self. Be the kind of person that your 30-year-old self will thank you for, right? So think about your reality and think about the, some of the things that, okay, this is real. This is what I'm feeling right now. This is what I'm thinking right now. And if I want this to change, I need to make some changes. Are the results you're getting right now, can you live with them? Or were you hoping for something a little better? That's reality. Oh, so here is where we go to the O. <clears throat> this is options. And so options is the stage where you go, all right, here's my goal. Here's what I'm wanting to accomplish, right? And uh, here's reality. I'm not as far along as I thought I was. So here are some options, and here's what I'm going to do. And option stage, I, wa I want you to think about this. Options is, what if my life could look like this? What if I could do that? What if I made that decision? What if I hired that person? What if I was in this relationship? What if I worked for that particular company? What if God could do this in my life? What if, what if, what if? And we just brainstorm and we're not editing ideas yet. We're just brainstorming. And then the, the editing will come later, but the option stage is, man, what would this look like? Kind of get outside of yourself 
and look at some options and things that could help. For me, where this lands for me is when I'm, when I'm struggling with a leadership decision that I'm trying to make here at the summit or in, uh, in another life that I have, I ask this question. What would a great leader do? Get me out of the emotional connections and, the, and the, uh, uh, all the little frivolous little things that relate this decision to me and would make me want to make a, a decision based on some personal preferences that I may have. I don't want to do that. What's, what's best for the organization? What would a great leader do in this situation? And when I ask that question for me, it takes me out of my personal opinions and it causes me to think in such a way on a higher level to go, man, if a, great, if a great husband was in this relationship, he'd do this. If a great wife was in this relationship, she would respond this way. If a great son were to be in that situation, this is what he would do. If a great daughter were in this situation, this is how she would talk to her parent. If, if a great student, a great student would respond this way. A great boss would do this. A great supervisor would think about this. A great leader would do this. A responsible staff member would do this, right? So those are options that help you think about, okay, how are all the ways that we could solve this problem? You list your options and you go, you know, hey, all right, if I wanna lose weight, you know, hey, the South Beach diet, we could try that, or I could try the keto diet, I could try that, or I could try the, the, the Whole30. I'm waiting for somebody to come up with a, with a carb diet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Would somebody please, for the love of God, come up with a carb diet, put a donut on the front of the book, I'll buy it. Um, that's the kind of eating plan I'm, I'm up for. But, uh, but, but you want to start with your goal, your reality, your options. And when you list your options, you go, I want to try this plan or this plan or this plan. And then you rank them. You go, all right, based upon who I am, based upon what I know about me, and based upon the options that I see, you can do this with your kids. All right, do we want to send them far away to college? Do we want them to, you know, go to something local? Do we want to, all right, what, what are some options? Well, we rank them. And, if, and, and, and then at the end, after you list all your options, you go, option number one is we, we feel like this is the best option. And then option one doesn't work out, you go to number two. We feel like option number two is the best option. And then you end up in the very last piece, and that's W. And then you ask yourself the question, what will I do and when? What will I do and when? And this is the action part. And you and I love action. And, and here's why I know this. When you open up your Insta account and, and, or your Facebook account or your, you know, what, whatever you're on, and within two seconds, you don't see a dog rescuing people out of a river or something. Like, you, you scroll. Like, you're like, uh, I, I want to see something happening now or I'm bored. And that's just the way that we are, right? It's a sad state, but that's just the way that our, our brains are, are changing because of social media and technology, right? This is the action piece. This is, you go, okay, of the options that I've talked about, options that I want to use, here's what I'm going to do and when. And you write it down, and uh, congratulations, you're all part of the 3% uh, in America. You write it down, and then you say, but I'm going to do it by February the 10th. Here's what I'm going to do, 
and I'm going to do it by February the 10th or whatever date that you feel like works for you. But there has to be a, here's what I'm going to do. Here's the action I'm going to take. And here's the date that it needs to happen by. And this helps us so, so much. I was, have you ever had that feeling where you got in your car uh, one morning to go to work and you ended up at work and you had no idea how you got there? (laughs) Have you ever felt that? It's like, how did I get here? I feel sorry for all those people that I did not even see on the road, right? And that's because... 70, I've heard it said 70% of our life is spent out of our unconscious brain. And very, very few of our actions require really conscious thought. And when you begin making change in your life, when you begin making decisions about your life, you are, at, you are doing something called neuroplasticity. And neuroplasticity is when your brain is forming new neurotransmitters. When you are, you know what, I'm going I'm to I'm do it. I'm going to eat a different breakfast starting this week. Your brain consciously has to go, okay, I'm, I'm making eggs instead of cereal. Okay, what am I going to put in the eggs? All right, that's different. Okay, I'm going to, all right, never done. Okay, all right, learning how, 430 minutes, you know, that, that kind of thing. Your brain's having to do things that it's not, accustomed to doing. And so what you're creating is new neuropathways. So when you change your activity and you put a, I'm going to do this, I'm going to run five miles every morning, I'm going to spend time with God and I'm going to blah, blah, blah. It's creating new neuropathways in your brain and it creates new action and you got to time it. Here's what this looks like on a practical level. Um, Let's just say that one of your goals was, I want to have a good marriage. I don't think that's a good goal, by the way, but uh, I think there's a better way to say it. Not that good marriages are not important. Um, but I, I think there's a better way to say, I want to help my f- spouse feel loved. So when, 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 you, when you're married and, you know, you can re- maybe remember this and this could help. So <clears throat> the goal is not I want a good marriage. That's a result. A goal is I want to help my spouse feel loved. Well, what's reality? Uh, well, you know, we kind of tell each other we love each other about every two weeks and we're just tired. <laughs> you know, right? That's a, really sorry for this marriage. Uh, you, you know, there's some fighting going on there. So we tell each other we love each other about every two weeks, and we just kind of see each other kind of in and out. She's got the kids, and I'm taking the kids, going to school. I've got ball practice, and I've, we've got meetings, and we're just busy. And that's just kind of our reality. And the fire's kind of gone down, and we don't really just gravitate and enjoy each other's presence. We're just tired, right? So what are some options? Well, here's some options that I could think about. What if I wanted to take her on a trip across the world where we made some new experiences together, right? That would help her feel loved. What if we read books or listened to podcasts together about topics that she would be interested in that I'm interested in and we talk about them together? When's the last time you were attracted to the person you were with because of their mind? So we could do things together. That, that's just one thing. Hey, I could hold her hand, right? Show her affection. I could take her shopping. I'm <laughs> getting some laughter on that one. <laughs> I could take her shopping. It might be a cold day somewhere for that to happen <laughs> in some of our homes, but, but I, could, I could take her shopping, right? 
My, my love language for Cresha is gifts. Like I order her stuff all the time from her, some of her favorite stores. Amazon knows us very well. And she loves, because I love to, you know, give her. All right, guys, what if while, while she was out, you cleaned the whole house, didn't tell her? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. There's some choking going on in here right now, right? What if, what, what if while she was out, you cleaned the whole house and, and just, I mean, y'all, this was amazing. When, I, when, when Christian and I met for the first, I didn't know how to clean a house. And her dad taught me how to do it. And I was like, wasn't what I thought he was going to be teaching me how to do, but I'm like, hey, this is a skill that I can, made her day. Like, find ways that things that you can do to help show that you love her. And then you got to put a date and time on it, right? Say, say you're wanting to get out of debt and your goal is, hey, we owe $30,000 and we got to pay it off. And the reality is we probably spend a little too much money on things that we probably shouldn't. So we've got to reduce our expenses and increase our income. And we may have to get newer, better jobs or something. It's, that's, that's kind of the reality. So our options are, you know what? We got to start cutting things out of our life. We could try that, cut all of our subscriptions that we use. We could um, cut up our credit cards. We could start paying more to, to them every month. We could get a different and better jobs, work more, work overtime. Work. And then you start listing out your options, right? All right, here's, here's when we want to be out of debt. Here's what we're going to do and when we want to be out of debt, right? Say you want to be a more supportive parent. Maybe that was your goal. What's reality? Your, your kids are just as busy as you are and you don't see them very much, but you know that they love playing music and they're in bands. So here's what you do. What, what, all right, what, what are some options? Well, I could go see them play in concerts and I could talk to them before and after the shows and I could engage them with the things that they're interested in. That shows that you care. You can't control having a good relationship with your child, but what you can show you can demonstrate that you love and support them, which can lead to the result, right? So what are you going to do and when are you going to do it by? Most of us struggle here and here. Most of us are, as you know, 97% of the country doesn't have goals. And isn't it any wonder why we're so frustrated that we're not accomplishing more things that mean something to us in our life? Isn't it any wonder? So I just want to challenge you. The fear, <clears throat> the problem is not going after a goal and failing. The problem is never having a goal in the first place. So figure out what God wants you to pursue in this season of your life. Think about the reality of where you are now. Think about some options that could help you. And think about what will you do and when. I love John Whitmore's he developed this. I think it's so powerful in so many different scenarios. When I have a hard conversation with people, here, I go through this. What's my goal of this conversation? What's reality? What are the options and the outcomes that could happen? And when am I going to have this conversation by? So I just want to challenge you as, you, as you are thinking about getting unstuck in any area of your life, I think Jesus come back, comes back and really asks us the same question. He asked the man, do you want to get well? Because getting well is gonna, it could change your address, could change your friend network, could change your spiritual life in ways that you never thought. Do you really want to get well? Feel free to take a picture of this. 
so that you can use this uh, as you uh, are trying to knock out your goals. And I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for my friends that are listening, uh, those that are watching online and at Oak Ridge and Jamestown and here in Kernersville. Lord, you, some of us are going through some just heartbreaking and terrible things where we feel stuck and we don't know what to do and we don't know how to get moving. Others of us have um, created some habits in our life that are sabotaging our effort into the direction that you've called us to. I pray for us, Lord, that you would help us to write goals that matter, to have the courage to face reality to strategically think through powerful options that could help and write down when and how and what action we're going to take to start getting ourselves unstuck and living in such a way that you've called us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.